Welcome today. It is so good to have you joining us wherever you are. And I want to um, make a special uh, shout out today to all of the mothers who are joining. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, This is just such a special day. And so we celebrate you. We honor you. And um, even if nobody is acknowledging all of your hard work and all of the things that you do, just want you to know you are so important and the life and the love you share is so impactful. And so we bless you for that in Jesus' name. Now, uh, today we're going to look and see how Jesus even responds to his own mother because uh, heaven has a special heart for mothers. There's a, a special grace that God has. And I also want to acknowledge that for some of you, um, you may have lost your mother and this could be a really difficult day for you. And for some of you, you really long to be a mother and yet um, you haven't had that opportunity uh, in, in your life. And so sometimes uh, when others are celebrating, this can be a really difficult time. Uh, we're praying for you. We know that God is with you. Uh, he's listening to your prayers, the things you say, and also just the, uh, the things happening in your heart. We're thankful that we have a God who is with us. Well, let's look in today to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, as we continue in the series of glory, I'm going to start in verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me, Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of it was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brother, uh, brothers and his disciples there. They stayed for a few days. So Jesus today, as we look into your word, you are revelation to us. And I said, we'll have hearts to receive what you have for us. That we'll see your glory and your power and your strength. The transformation that you have for us, that you'll open our eyes to your love in a new way. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I just want to jump right in today with this big idea of transformation, that God is a God of transformation. Now, 
I remember early on, uh, right out of college, I was working in a college ministry. And so I started having people over, you know, I grew up in, in a home where, uh, our family had people over often and my mom had this magical talent. I don't know how she was able to do it my entire life where she made things just come together. It seems like everything appeared at once. The food all showed up hot at the same time. And you know, if we were having a party with 30, 40 people over, it never really seem like that big of a struggle to her. I remember her cooking and getting everything ready and she was kind of smiling and just, it, it felt so easy for her. And so I remember in my first time of having people over, I just thought, okay, this is going to be easy because all you do is smile and you just kind of put it together. And then suddenly people were, were showing up and I wasn't even halfway through the preparation. And I could feel everybody's expectation of this is going to be an amazing time. And suddenly people are realizing this isn't an amazing time. The food isn't here. This guy's stressed. He's trying to make everything work, but it's not quite working in the way that he was planning when he invited us over in the first place. And there's a scene in John chapter two, which we just read about. It's a big wedding. And what you and I have to understand is at this time, this is an honor and shame culture. So what's happening for these people is they're actually experiencing probably a high level of shame as they've invited people to this wedding, but they didn't have enough to keep the party going. That the wine had run dry, that the budget wasn't quite big enough, and now people wouldn't be honoring the rest of the, of the party. They would feel the struggle of the shame. And what I love is in the gospel of John is Jesus is revealing his glory. It says in John 1 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. We've seen his glory. We, we have seen the one who moved into the neighborhood. We saw the God man. We saw how he is. And when Jesus shows up in shame, this is how he responds to it. Jesus doesn't deride them. He doesn't dismiss them, but instead he's seen what happens. And this is what's wild to me. Jesus even has a time in mind for when all of his ministry is going to begin. And his mother says to him, they've run out of wine. This is what's so crazy is that Jesus loves his mom so much that he breaks the rules for her. He says, my hour has not yet come. In other words, the ministry isn't getting launched just yet. But she looks at the people around and she says, what does she say here? Do whatever he tells you. Well, what Jesus is about to do is he's about to begin and show what happens when his glory shows up in a situation. In the Old Testament, Genesis chapter one, the story begins with this moment where Jesus is with God. The word, it says in John one, that all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that has been made. So check this one out. Jesus in the beginning from nothing creates something. That's creation. But when he shows up as the God man in flesh, 
It's not about taking nothing and turning it into something. It's actually about taking something and transforming it. It begins, the, the story begins with creation, but the thing that Jesus is now doing is transformation. This speaks directly into where a lot of us are in our lives. Looking around, God, what are you going to do in my life? I feel like nothing is showing up and I need you to magically make something happen for me as if God is just a cosmic butler looking to create out of nothing. But Jesus shows up and he takes the very ordinary things. He doesn't take everything else. It's the very ordinary things and he transforms it into his purposes for that moment in time. And out of that, he's going to draw more glory to himself. The first act of God is in creation, but then it moves into transformation. And I love how, how his mother teaches us how to follow Jesus. John chapter two, verse five, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. You see, obedience is God's invitation to transformation. Obedience is God's, it's it's his invitation to transformation. And for you and I, if we're really being honest, I don't know if you ever feel like this, but sometimes in my faith walk, I have felt like at some point in the game, I'm going to get to a point where the whole obedience thing is so natural. I'll just move into another space in life. And I don't believe that you and I, that we ever evolve beyond obedience. Like obedience is what God has for us at the beginning And obedience is what God has for us at the end. I remember one time I was on a date with with a girl and she asked me uh, what kind of life I was wanting to create. And, you know, I just kind of felt strong and powerful in in the moment. And I said, uh, you know, I want to create a courageous, authentic, and passionate life. What kind of life do you want to create? She looked at me and she said, I want to create a life that is obedient. If I could have one word summarize my life, I would want it to be obedient. And I realized that I was more focused on what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do things. And I don't believe that there's anything wrong with courage or being real or being passionate. But it's easy to do all of those things and miss God's heart for you that is grounded in Obedience and obedience is God's invitation to transformation. When we obey him, when we step into obedience, what we're doing is we're inviting him into the process. We're inviting him to do something with our natural and turn it into something that is supernatural. I love that, uh, you know, in verses five through nine, John chapter two, verses five through nine. His mother said to to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Check this one out. Jesus causes transformation through your participation. If you're wanting to sit back in this season and act like you don't matter in what God is doing in the big scale, you can't see that in the gospels. In fact, there's not one 
miracle that I'm aware of that Jesus does that does not involve a person's participation. Often it's just faith. But when Jesus steps in, there's an expectation that people are going to be involved in the process. And he has something for you to do. Your, your life is not removed from what God is doing on a big scale. Your life is about God's glory. And if your life is about God's glory, then it requires your participation. It requires more of you. It requires your prayer. It requires your hunger. It requires your desire for the things of the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus wants. He doesn't just want you to, to give him lip service. He wants your life service where your heart is all about him, heart and soul. God, I am about you in this process, even if I don't know where it's going, because that's what happens in this story. Now check this out. It's about participation, but I've noticed sometimes we get into the kind of this little half-hearted thing with God. Like I'm showing up, I'm doing church. This is where religion is born, right? Like I'm doing church, I'm praying, I'm going through the motions. Have you ever been there? I mean, I, I, I had quite a couple of years when I wasn't all in. It was just, I, I hate to say it looking back, but it was mediocrity. It was this lukewarm, like I'm halfway here, but I'm not really in the game. In Psalm 62, five, it says this, my soul waits for you. My expectation is from you. Here's the thing about Jesus. He's not just looking for your participation. He's looking for your expectation. When they filled the water jars, they didn't fill them halfway. Now, you, you have to understand, this is 180 gallons of water. And they weren't just going to the sink to fill it up. They didn't have a garden hose that, you know, they could just turn on and boom, 180 gallons is happening quickly. This would take a while. There was some work involved in the process. This didn't just happen overnight, but what's even more wild is this. If you were looking at 180 gallons of wine, that would actually require months. It would require so much time. It would re require vineyards full of grapes. There would be a crushing and a stomping and a pressing and all of these other things involved in this process, Jesus tells them to fill these jars full of water. And from full jars, he turns them into wine. What Jesus does in a moment with their expectation, get this, Jesus will do more in a moment through your expectation than you can do through months and years of preparation and just trying to do it on your own. When you come to him with a big faith saying, I don't really know how all of this works, but I know that I'm not going to fill the jars halfway so that maybe like nobody actually sees that I was all in on it. When you step out and you're all in, it's the moment where you're stepping off of a cliff and you don't have any ground there. And you say, God, if you do not move forward, if you don't extend the ground under me, I'm going to fall. I have an expectation that you're with me. And if you're with me, then I know that I can trust you in the process. I don't know what you're gonna do, but I'm just filling the water all the way to the brim. I don't wanna be halfway. I wanna fill it to the fullest because I know when I fill it to its full potential, 
potential. I'll experience the purpose you have for it, but I don't experience it if I just do it a little bit. If I only go halfway, if I only bring half of my heart, and if I only have a little bit of expectation, I'm going to have a big expectation. I would rather fail big just trying to do something with God than play small and Wonder what it could have been if I would have lived a bigger story with him. It's not just about your participation. It's about your expectation. It says one time, Jesus wasn't able to do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. What's your faith like today? This can get really difficult for us if we're really honest here. Like if you're really honest about where you are. Because if your expectation is built on the life you had created, it becomes painful when you're experiencing loss. When you had a dream that was going in a direction and now it's run dry. When you had family that were close but Now you're grieving the loss of someone in your life. When you had a job and everything was going in a direction and you knew what you were building towards and then you got let go because of the situation that we're in currently. Like how do you continue to cultivate an expectation of God working in your situation? And how do you continue to fill up with, I mean, all the way to the brim when your hopes and your dreams have been dashed against the rocks of tragedy, when your hopes and dreams have been crushed by what's happened in this current climate. My expectation is from you. I'm waiting. My soul is waiting for you, God. My soul is waiting. My expectation is from you. In other words, my expectation is no longer based on all the things that I thought was going to happen. This is a time, this is a season when we as a church are having to learn to pivot. We're having to learn to do things differently. We're having to learn to trust his voice in the process and know that when we're obedient, we're not doing it with hesitation but we're doing it with expectation. We're stepping in, trusting him. And when he speaks to you and he tells you to do something, you step into it. Even if you feel all of the fear, even if you feel all of the complacency or anxiety, you continue to step forward because of what he has for you. Transformation happens through expectation. And then this in verse 10 If you're willing to step into more with God. Transformation leads you deeper into celebration. Transformation will lead you deeper into celebration. So he says this, uh, the the master of, of the banquet says, everyone brings out the choice wine first And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. Some of you actually believe, like I am talking to you right now. Some of you believe that this was as good as it will ever get. That what you had is as good as God ever had for you. And unfortunately, what you think in the process is that the good old days are all in the past. 
So you start playing remember when, and that's all you do is remember when. It's not remember when so that you can live with an expectation in the future. It's remember when because you're just holding on to memories of what was. Jesus shows up in a moment when everything is gone, when the celebration and the party is over. And as my old roommate, Jamie says, he used to look at me and he'd say, this is the moment when Jesus walked in. He said, keep the party going. Celebration is what God has in store for his people. This is a moment in time when you and I get to live at a different level of joy. Like we get to live at a different level of joy right now than what we thought was possible. Transformation will lead us deeper into joy. And when we let Jesus, when we invite Jesus into what we're actually experiencing, into the pain, into the shame, into the suffering, into all of the things that aren't going in the way that we wish that they were going, Jesus steps in there and he doesn't just complete the miracle. He makes things better than they were before. If you thought that that was as good as it got, you don't know what Jesus has in store because the best is yet to come. He still has more for you. He has, he, he's gonna fill your life in ways that you never understood through the Holy Spirit that is within you. That's why the kingdom of God is not just a matter of eating, drinking. It's a matter of joy. It's a life that's found in him. Man, this is a time to press in, in the crushing, in the breaking. That's when God's creating new wine. Sometimes he'll do it in a moment and sometimes he'll do it through a process in your life. God is doing something in his church and in his people. And I'm telling you right now is a time to press into joy, not because it's easy. In fact, one of the most difficult things you could do right now might actually be to press forward into joy, to let go of the other story the story that it will never be good, that you'll stay stuck, that your future isn't gonna be what it could be, that you've messed life up too much, that God really probably isn't for you. you. You kind of wonder about it on the inside. This is coming back to his goodness. It's coming back to his faithfulness and saying, even if everything else dries up, I'm glad I got you, Jesus. I'm glad you're in my life. I'm glad that I can trust you. I'm glad that you're for me. And even though my jars may be empty, even though the feast may not be happening, I believe you're making new wine right now. My expectation will lead into a celebration. You will not disappoint my heart. My expectation, it's from you. So my soul waits for you, God. My soul waits for you. As I was reading John chapter two, I realized that... Um, I had missed something. I, I mentioned it last week when I talked about the woman at the well. She had six husbands, or she had five husbands and then a man she was living with who wasn't her husband anymore. There were six men in her life. And then there was the seventh man, the God man who appeared. The seventh is the sign of perfection. And in John chapter two, it looks like there are six water jars. but there's a seventh jar. There's a seventh jar. And transformation comes from the jar of salvation. 
See, there's a seventh jar. It's the, it's the God man who shows up. He says, fill these jars with water. But what you don't want to miss is that he is the jar filled with living water. And he's the jar that walks with living water and promises it to people. And then at the cross, his water that has just been living water for everyone becomes wine. It becomes the blood of his covenant that is shed for all of us. This is God showing up saying, I've got a little bit more in it than you thought was there in the first place. If you just look and see these jars, you'll only stop at the celebration at the wedding, but I've got another wedding for you to attend. It's the wedding, uh, it's, it's the wedding feast of the lamb and it's at the, at the last days. It is what Jesus is going to do here in the future. And what he's doing is he's inviting us to himself. Don't take the six water jars and just celebrate there. Find the true source of living water, the true source of living wine that does something from the inside out that will change everything about you. It's the source of salvation. Transformation isn't just about transforming an experience so that you can go, wow, I'm glad I could see God is with me. Transformation is to lead you to the source of salvation, who is Jesus, who is the God man, who is for you, who came here died on a cross for your sins, for my sins, so that we could receive eternal life from him. That is the gospel of God. And it's not just that he's doing that so that we could one day be with him, but it's because he's calling you into his life right now. He says, you have purpose, you have potential, but I'm calling you into my kingdom and I have more for you in store. I have more for you. If you'll come and drink from this well, this is the well, this is the jar that never runs dry. It's the seventh jar. It's the seventh jar. Transformation comes from the seventh jar. He saved them from shame in their moment. He'll save you from your shame. He saved them from everyone remembering this as a terrible moment. How many terrible moments do you have in life? That's what Jesus saves you from. And he doesn't just save you from your past and your shame. He saves you, he saves you from the separation that you would experience from him. For God so loved the world. You know how I say it. You got to spell so. <laughs> With like 17 O's. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's so loves you. You're not just loved, you're so loved. God's grace is here for you if you'll receive it, if you'll believe it in Jesus' name. And the final thing I want to share on this is that God's glory is revealed through transformation. And that's why you are so important in this process. You know, Jesus doesn't want to just come into our lives and put on a show. He wants to bring about a transformation in your life to show how wonderful and amazing and powerful and beautiful he is, that he is a good God, that he'll take the worst moment of our lives, that he'll take the brokenness, that he'll take the, the things that we don't want to tell anybody about, all of our past, that he'll take those things and he'll bring us forgiveness. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is is all about showing his glory 
through broken people. And for some of you, like you are convinced that God wouldn't want anything to do with you. You're convinced that God really wants nothing to do with you. And yet you're holding on to hope that maybe there's still goodness in him. God loves you and he loves to work through broken people. Who else does he have? Like that's who we all are. We're people in need of him. We're people who are longing for him. You and I, we can't just, we we can't fix ourselves on our own. This is why we need a savior. Because the message of the gospel isn't about behavior modification. It's about heart and mind transformation. So like what would happen if you just really came to Jesus with full expectation? Just like, I am trusting in you. I don't know where all of this is going. I don't know what you're going to do in my life, but I'm just gonna, like, whatever I do, I'm gonna fill it to the brim, like in faith. I'm just gonna believe you're going to work in my situation and I'm going to stay consistent. I'm gonna keep showing up. I'm gonna be obedient. Like, God, I don't know how this is gonna work out. I'm just trusting you in it. Like, how are you going to work in this situation? My expectation is from you, and I know that you are for me. I know that you are with me, and I know that you're going to bring about good even in the hardest times of my life, even in the darkest days. The light of God shows up. The light of the world shows up, and he shows off in his glory that his glory would be revealed in your life. And so today, if you would, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer of glory with me. It's every week we're praying a prayer of glory. And this week we are inviting his glory in by just simply saying this, because at the end of the day, obedience is where this all goes back to. Obedience is God's invitation to transformation. And if you want God to transform everything inside of you, transform your life, it comes with full surrender to what Jesus has for you. And so it's just this simply right here. Jesus, I'll do whatever you say. Can we pray that together? Jesus, I'll do whatever you say. I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. Whatever you have for me, I'm going to follow you. I'll do what you say. Amen.